Podcast Answer Man, episode number 122. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. Today, we have a full show for you. We're going to talk more about another option for email lists. We're going to give you some more thoughts on naming schemes, what to do for software that you want to use for your podcast, and we might even fit in in the talk of uh, rechargeable batteries. Well, folks, I am very excited to come to you with yet another episode of The Podcast Answer Man, and this is really, there are a couple shows that I really get excited about, and uh, this is certainly one of them. And Of course, podcasting is definitely a passion of mine, and that's probably somewhat evidenced on Thursdays, especially by 2.31 in the afternoon, which is what it is right now. As we record live from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., 10 episodes of podcast back to back. And I am just very delighted to see some of the responses uh, and, and some of the things that have happened as a result of doing these live shows. And I know I've probably said this last week and um, probably will say it again next week, but it, it really has changed a lot of things by putting these shows back to back. I've seen a lot more cross-promotion, a lot more interaction with the audience, uh, the listening community out there, and I'm building a lot more relationships with more people, and it has been a lot of fun. So anyway, in fact, one of the, the cool things this past week has been a huge blessing for me individually and uh, for my consulting business and equipment sales. I, I, I don't know what it was this week, but uh, on Monday, from Monday all the way through yesterday, I have been literally booked back to back. I've had some wonderful consulting calls. I, I know that uh, Sister Julie from A Nun's Life is getting ready to start doing a, a, she's getting ready to do a live show event that's coming up and you can probably find more information and see that, you know, kind of what she's doing there. And I think it's at anunslife.org. And some other folks are starting out some some testing the waters of live shows and some folks that have were thinking about doing all live shows are kind of starting things out in a little different direction, which sometimes I recommend. And that is, you know, doing pre-recorded shows and then uh, uploading them afterwards. And, you know, just a little testing here and there. And by the way, Sister Julie's been podcasting for quite some time, her and Sister Maxine or Sister Max. Uh, and so it, it, it's it's very exciting to see, you know, the progression of, of helping my clients and seeing them come back as repeat customers is always a blessing as well. And then the equipment sales has just been out of this world. I've just out of the blue, people are finding us on Google and they're being referred by many of you. And thank you. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And of course, this podcast here is available for free and I try to give as much information as I can uh, to to help the podcasting community. I, I really do have a desire. I mean, I've, I've said this more than once to several clients. If I could do what I do for free and not have to worry about money, I would so do that. But uh, as it is, of course, I am trying to you know, make ends meet here, providing for the wife and kids and, and stuff like that. And this is what I do for a living. And so I, I certainly do have uh, ways of going about and monetizing by selling podcast audio gear, doing consulting with people one-on-one and, you know, producing content that is hopefully valuable enough for people to consider supporting financially through plus membership over at gspn.tv slash plus and, uh, and stuff like that. But I do desire to give away as much as I can for free. And, and that's one of the reasons why I continue to produce this podcast week after week. And, uh, you know, not to mention the fact that it whets people's appetite for the things that can be done. And uh, so always interesting. Now, I think it was last week or it could have been the week before we did an episode where somebody had called in and asked a question about, you know, what am I using? How am I using Google Docs for uh, email lists and they, they were looking at some possible solutions and wanted to know if I had any recommendations. And in that, I talked about AWeber. I talked a little bit about um, constant contact. I explained how I used Google uh, groups to pull off an email distribution list. 
But uh, Nick Padley called in and uh, reminded me that I left one out, and, and he's so right. So here's what uh, Nick had to say. Hey, Cliff, this is Nick Padley from the In Between Sundays podcast, calling from Kansas City. was just listening to Podcast Answer Man episode 120, and uh, noticed that you were talking about um, email subscription lists. And I wanted to give you a little bit piece, little piece of feedback on that. You mentioned Constant Contact and Aweber as an email uh, companies, but I had to throw my hat in the ring for another company which I use and I'm very satisfied with called Mailchimp.com, and they actually blow Constant Contact and Aweber out of the water. What they actually do is they handle email contact information for a number of people. One of the most notable ones would be the Mozilla Foundation, who decided to go with them over the other companies because of their features and all sorts of things like that. So anyway, just thought I'd give you that information. Um, you don't have to use this on a show if you don't want, but uh, in case anybody's asking you as a podcast consultant, you might check it out. Um, fantastic company. They know Web 2.0 like the back of their hand, and they do a great job at doing it so thanks a lot and god bless nick thank you so much and uh it is it's been very cool to have you call in uh on on a regular consistent basis and i'm glad to hear from you coming in uh coming in and and leaving feedback and stuff like that by the way folks if you want to call into our show you can do that live during our show here today uh the phone number for those of you who are joining us live there's a uh, blue or is it blue or red i can't i'm not on that page right now uh, but anyway, look for the phone number. I think it's in red, uh, both above and below. There, we'll take some live calls during the show today if you'd like. Um, and also, if you want to, if you're listening to this in the podcast, you can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week on our voicemail hotline at area code 859-795-4067. Again, that's area code 859 859- 795-4067. I think I got that right, but uh, if not, it's it's certainly available online. All right, so we're going to move forward here, and uh, Jonathan Nation sent in some feedback regarding a previous podcast episode where we talked about naming schemes, and and we also talked about uh, other businesses poaching uh, clients from your follower list on Twitter, and he had some feedback on both of those items, and I think that was just episode 121 from last week, so... Uh, here's what he says, more on naming schemes. He says, uh, first of all, with what you had talked about in the episode, he says, you're assuming that people do not use Windows Explorer at all. Uh, this is not really a valid view. Maybe I should say that that's a very iTunes-centered view of you. Uh, it's not It's not just about the MP3 player. In many cases, if you have a Sansa clip or other or many others, I guess many other players out there that work as a jump drive, for example, the naming scheme is very important for when you put out files onto a device. And basically it's important for any time other than iTunes. And uh, Jonathan, you're absolutely right. You know what? I, I, I apologize uh, for saying that it really doesn't matter these days. And you're absolutely right. I have so balled into the iTunes world and I forgot just how opposed I was to the iPod for so long. In fact, I was already podcasting for more than eight or nine months before I actually purchased my first iPod. I was using, back in the day, I was using uh, a PDA, a, what was it, a Compaq iPack is what they were called, and it had SD card on it, and I would bring, I would Put all, I would organize everything in a folder using Windows Explorer. I would use organize everything in a folder, uh, sort it out by folders and sort it out by file names, and I would drag and drop those files over to the SD cards. So you are absolutely correct. It it's, does still matter, and there's a lot of people still using those MP3 devices that pretty much just play whatever files are on there. And uh, so I guess if, but the one thing I will say for myself that go back, going back to last week, I said, the one thing that's important is to really stay consistent, to do the same thing, whatever it is that you've chosen to do, stick with it. And of course, uh, when you don't do it, I had mentioned that chances are people are going to notice and therefore you might even get some feedback asking, you know, Hey, what, what's with the change? Uh, but the good news is e- even with the changes that I've made over time, I've always made changes in such a way that on my own drive, uh, when I'm archiving all the data, the, the naming schemes have always been driven by what's going to make everything easily accessible for me 
and putting them in alphabetical order has always been an issue. Uh, so therefore, I make sure that they stay that way. And uh, but anyway, but yes, thank you, Jonathan, for reminding me that this is not an iTunes centered world. In fact, if you believe that for even a second, I the whole thought even slipped my mind last episode. But if you think your entire audience is iPods, uh, you're wrong. Uh, matter of fact, probably 40 percent of your audience uh, that li- that subscribes to your file via RSS and listens to the downloaded MP3s, pro- I would say 40% of your audience on average is not using an iPod. That's not a shuffle, not a nano, not a classic, not a touch, not any of those. They are simply using something else. 40% of your audience. And, uh, you know, people are actually listening to, they're downloading podcasts and syncing them to their cell phones and uh, other than iPhones. And so, yeah, definitely uh, thank you for the reminder that, uh, you know, naming schemes can be a little bit more important. So I, I, I suggest, you know, picking something that's relatively easy uh, in the actual file name, file name. I typically will do name of the podcast, then the three digit number for the show and then hyphen the title of the episode with no spaces and dot mp3 so for example this one here is going to be it'll the file name should be something like podcast answer man one two two hyphen audio editing software for podcasters dot mp3 um i'm i'm probably 90 99% positive that's going to be the exact title of this uh file name so check it out see if i'm right all right, the next thing I want to address real quickly here is a question that I get asked very often as a podcast consultant, and that is, what software do you use for recording your podcasts? And this is an excellent question. In fact, it's the one thing that has kept me as a Windows guy. Uh, for many of you, you may know that I do a podcast called Help, I Got a Mac, And even this morning, I recorded episode number 85 of Help I Got a Mac. You can find it at helpigotamac.com. And in that episode, I I shared how I actually literally was responsible in person for the purchase of three MacBook Pros. And not by myself, but actually selling those to other people. Now, it's not that I'm involved in selling computers or anything like that, but my friends here locally, they know that if you need some help buying computers and stuff like that and technology stuff, you know, take Cliff with you. That seems to be the thing. And we also had friends from Germany, uh, from the gspn.tv community, Ann Trader and Valerie, her sister, uh, visited us for, uh, I think, about three days here in our home. And uh, while they were here, one of the things that Ann wanted to do is to to go to the Apple store and buy a MacBook. And so we had uh, gone out there for that. But it, but buying a MacBook was something that I did quite some time ago. I think it's about a year and a half. No, actually, it's about, maybe it's been two years now. Anyway, we had, I, I, I have two Macs this, these days. I have a MacBook and I also have a, an, uh, what do you call that? The Mac mini there. And I, I use them. I love them. In fact, if I was ever doing anything video related, I would certainly use the Mac. But when it comes to uh, editing podcasts and stuff, there is one program that I will not leave the PC for. And because a majority of the work that I do is editing software or editing shows either for myself or processing shows for myself or editing it for clients that I work with, because of that, I am mainly a PC person still. I'd, I'd say 85% of everything I do is still done on a PC. And the reason for that, my friends, is Adobe Audition, which is now 3.0. And it's it's very expensive for the very little f- few features that, as a podcaster, I use, or really any podcaster would probably use. But what it does is so amazing. And, uh, you know, basically I'm able to do in 10 minutes what it would take me an hour to do in using something free such as, um, let's say, Audacity. Now, with that being said, let me just tell you, this is how it runs. Adobe Edition is by far and above my favorite audio editing suite out there. You notice that I don't use this, and I was glad that the question didn't come in, is 
Uh, actually, you know, the question says, uh, what software do you use for recording your podcast? And the answer to that question is none. I don't, I don't use any software to record my podcast because that would assume that I'm recording my audio into a computer. And I don't do that. In fact, let me give you an example real quickly of what my audio sounded like back in the days when I did record into a computer. Just have a listen to this and uh, see if you can't um, uh, hear the computer running in the background and and, uh, other things in the sound of this. So here we go. Here's a clip, I believe, eventually pulling up right about now uh i'm running processing in this computer at the same time i'm trying to pull this up let me just hit pause there it goes okay so that's the uh little clips about that started us off uh early on in the show i mean it immediately starts off with this idea of you're one of these days uh charlie you're going to save us you're going to get us all out of here Mm -hmm. uh every one of us and so immediately it kind of reminded me of this idea of is is there one individual all right, so that's one audio clip, and uh, let me see if I can find another clip in here. Right? Do here. you guys have any idea why John Locke kept the statues? I think he's going to use them for himself. <laughs> I think he's going to use them against Charlie later. Yeah, I think he's going to hold them. Okay, I want you to listen to this closely, and it, there, there's ever hardly any time in a gspn.tv podcast where somebody's not talking, but I want you to listen for this. Hmm. Listen to that in here. I'm against Charlie. I I would agree with that. There, there. You guys have the. You really. I have no opinion on that right now. None whatsoever. Which is weird for Cliff not to have an opinion. But uh, he locked him up with the gun. You have your opinion that you don't have an opinion. That's my opinion. (laughs) I have an opinion. But anyway. Okay, so you know, if you if you go back and listen to that a couple of times, you'll be able to hear that there are certainly points in there where we're if if you hear there's an overarching hmm that's running in the background. That the there's the reason of that is this was actually something that's actually caused by internal interference within the computer, and so it's called a noise floor. Now, what I've done is in the post-production of that episode, I've actually amplified the signal and did a hard limit and brought all the audio levels up to the same level and stuff like that. And by doing that, in essence, what I did is I raised the noise floor. And when I record the way I do now, listen to me when I when I stop talking. You hear anything? No, absolutely not. And the reason for that is because I'm recording to a digital audio recorder, which is not hooked up to anything other than my mixer. Uh, So I I send the audio straight from my mixer directly into my digital audio recorder. And that allows me to get audio recordings with zero noise floor. So what, what software do I record into? Absolutely none. Now, as far as what software do I edit with or do processing with or anything like that, I will, if I need to do so, I use Adobe Audition. Uh, actually, I use 2.0, but 3.0 is just just like it. They've added a bunch of new stuff that most of which you won't use anyway, but um, but still, it, it, it's, it's a little pricey, but for somebody who's recording a lot of content and you want to make everything sound super crystal clear awesome, and stuff like that. There, there are some things that you can do as far as software and hardware to make that happen. Now, for folks who are on a budget, which I oftentimes speak with people who are on a very tight budget, and when that's the case, I say, listen, honestly, you know, instead of paying, you know, if if you're not going to get Adobe Audition and and you've got a PC, go ahead and use Audacity. Audacity is going to be completely fine for you. Um, and, and I train them how to use Audacity and, and it's not, and they, they get by. In fact, I, there's some decent stuff that's done in Audacity. Let me see if I can pop, pull up here one real quick. I'm going to go to mystreetusa.net real quick. This is a client of mine who just recently recorded something uh, on uh, and, and did the editing and stuff. And, and she actually exported it to MP3 from Audacity. And uh, this is a sample of Audacity right here. In three, two, one. All right, hello, real estate aficionados and friends. I'm starting with this quote from Colonel John B. Stockton, and it reads, We all have the proclivity to see what we want to see, hear what we want to hear, believe what we want to believe, regardless of the evidence available. All right. Hi, I'm Chris. 
So she she recorded that, or she actually recorded that to her digital audio recorder, brought it over to um, Audacity, and and it works fine. Uh, the one thing that I am going to be conf- consulting with all my clients that have been using, I you know, I am probably going to suggest that you know they start recording or uh, exporting their files at 160 kilobits per second, and that's really one of the main differences between Adobe Audition. And pretty much any other audio um, software out there, and uh, the, the that difference being, of course, is that um, the Adobe Audition uh, software is using a MP3 encoder that was actually developed by the guy who invented uh, the MP3 format, which is Fra- his. I think his name was Fraunhofer. And so anyway, the Fraunhofer MP3 encoder, I can actually encode something at 64 kilobits per second, and it will sound every bit as good as something recorded at 160 kilobits per second using Audacity, which uses what's called the lame encoder, which I think, you know, if you listen, go go and export anything, record any audio you want to, voice music, whatever, it doesn't matter. Go ahead, open up Audacity, uh, throw your recording in there or record directly into it, whichever you prefer. Record that thing and export it out at 64 kilobits per second and see if it doesn't sound like garbled trash. And it will. And and and, and, and therefore, you know, that's why I call it the lame encoder. Uh, I don't have anything right here that I can demonstrate for you, but let me, let, what I do have, if I can go into my watermark podcast, this is our, our sermons from our, our, my local church that I've put out this right here, this recording that you're about ready to hear. This is 64 kilobits per second. Let me give, let me play this for you. You know, we laugh at that, but we, we watch that guy and on the inside we're going, I can totally relate to that guy. Okay. Not that I've walked around with a collar around my neck, but, but I totally resonate with the struggle with my tongue and what comes out of my mouth and my attitudes and that, that right there, that's 64 kilobits per second done with Adobe Audition. If that was done with um, Audacity, it would it would sound like that in the voice. It's, it's all garbled, uh, mangled, and, and sounds really bad. So that's the main difference. And, and you can get around that by, like I said, I, I'm, at this point, I finally decided, you know what? 128 kilobits, you're still getting a little bit of the washed out audio. 160 kilobits per second is where you should be going. In fact, let me um, let me go to oh gosh, what's his URL? CDLWeekly101.com, and I think he's using Audacity, and I think he's going 160 kilobits. Let me see. Three, two, one. feedback, both good and bad. So feel free to call that number at any time. You may ask questions, give your opinion, yeah, I, I, he, or make suggestions. I'm almost positive he's at 160 kilobits per second. So um, you can you can do it and, it, and it'll be fine. And Audacity is a great free software solution, and it's available on the Mac as well. And in fact, until just recently, if you had a Mac, I was telling people to use Audacity or to go ahead and get Sound Studio 3. But now that um, on so Sound Studio three is a is a viable option on the Mac. Audacity is an okay option on the Mac. But um, you know what? I've actually come to understand that normalization can be turned off. Uh, it's it's on by default, so that anytime you export audio by default, it will uh, normalize your show, which makes it softer and you can hardly hear it. And if you do that, then uh, that's it's just never a good thing. And so with that being said, you go into preferences in GarageBand, you turn off the auto normalization, you you get your audio, crank it up as loud as you want it to be. And from what I'm understanding people now, uh, it, you can actually go and, and have uh, the same audio as an MP3 as what you were hearing when you were actually doing the editing in GarageBand. Before it wasn't doing that. It's like you get it exactly where you want it in the editing and when you went to export it, it came out completely different, which was frustrating. And I've actually had clients who who actually went and bought a PC just so they could do Adobe Audition. 
Now, Steve in our chat room says, or you could pay $4.99 for Logic Studio. Uh, and I've not used that program, but I'm sure it's great. Um, but uh, seriously, I think Adobe Audition is like $3.49. It's, if, if you're looking you're to spend money on on software and you want the best, my opinion, get Adobe Audition. It's totally awesome. But if you can't afford that and you're on a tight budget, I, you know what? No matter what platform you're on, I like, you know, Audacity will work. And then I'm thankful that it was there when I was podcasting, because if it wasn't cheap in the beginning for me, I don't think I would have uh, think I don't think I would have actually got into podcasting. Moving right along. He also last week, we also um, mentioned that somebody that I was working with, a client was concerned about the idea that somebody might poach their clients um from their Twitter follower list. And I didn't have any thoughts on this as far as what you could do to avoid it. And he here's what Jonathan had to say. He says, there are a lot, let's see here. There are lots, let's see. There are lots of thoughts, but here are the quick ones that I think of, can think of right off the top of my head. Uh, number one, so, question mark. <laughs> he says, so, will the company's competitors be able to draw them away? Only if they provide more of what the customer wants at a better price. The thing is, the customer probably wants more than just the core good service. Uh, but a built, let's see here, but building a relationship will keep them around. This is extremely true. Um, you know, and, and, and if your only concern is that, you know, your competitor is going to come along and they're just going to offer, you know, they're going to cut the, slash the pi- price by, you know, $150 a month off for the next six months and that's going to entice people to go away, then, you know, it, I mean, you know, how great of a client are they? Um, although what I haven't shared with you is I have never shared yet what this particular client's business is. And let's just, all I will say is that it's a, it is an industry where families are feeling the economy in ways that most other businesses are not fail, you know, feeling this. And if you were to entice their clients re- relationship, no relationship, I mean, you'd have to have the hardest core people who really believe at a very deep level uh, the commitment to a relationship and and to that ongoing everything. Uh, this is a business where if you offered a family $150 a month off for the next six months to switch over to you, I would say there's a likelihood that even if there's a good relationship, there's there's going to be a percentage and at least and a two digit percentage of people who will make the jump. Um, so. I, 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 but I totally get you. I totally get what you're saying, you know, and, and, and you know what? I do believe that it's possible to build relationships with people and to do things to where, you know what, that even in financially tough times, I do believe it's possible to build relationships where your loyalty, your, your client's loyalty to who you are is going to keep them around. Even, even if, even if, if times arise, if they can, if there's a relationship of trust uh, it, it's sometimes that can be very tough to break. And, um, you know, so, uh, I, I think, I think you're right there. Um, I, I don't know if, if everybody should, or if most people should be so concerned about that, if you're doing things right to build relationships. Number two, he says, if, uh, if the only people interested in your tweeted information is your current clients, uh, your Twitter, tra- your Twitter, <laughs> Twitter strategy is probably off. Do something that people could never be your customer uh, might be interested in. Uh, build that relationship and community. So basically, yeah. Do if if you know the the question is are the only people who are going to be following you are they your customers? And so I guess this is the idea: is that um, try to build a community on Twitter that is made up not only of your current clients. In fact, try to find a way to market and build relationships with people who are not yet your clients. Build up your Twitter follower list. Network with people. Really give something and provide something of value. Provide provide something to the conversation. And that way, you know, if all of a sudden your competitor comes along and they try to poach your clients away from looking at your Twitter Twitter list, well, guess what? There's a good chance that, you know, maybe one or one out of only eight of your followers are actually one of your clients. And so they'll be actually seen as a spammer when they try to 
try to to connect to your following list. And so that's that's something that I think is a very interesting approach to this and one that certainly makes sense because you know you you definitely want to you want to be adding something of value out into the community and build those relationships. And I think it's possible to do that. I think especially especially in the area uh, the business where this is, there's not a lot of other businesses like it that are, you know, out there using social media. And wow, I bet you they have a lot of valuable things to share in the new media space, such as using podcasting and other uh, blogging and, and other things that I know that this business is actually doing because why else would they be my client? Right. And so I, I like that. I really, really like that. Alrighty, And then let's see here. Do, 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 do. Uh, there is okay. So number three, there is an assumption in there somewhere that the competitors competitors have no idea who the clients who your clients are, and that they would never contact them if if Twitter if the Twitter stat Twitter stat strategy never happens. This is what happens to me after I've been podcasting for you know what has this been five or six hours now? I can't say Twitter strategy. Of course, I don't know if it, maybe if I, this was the first podcast of the day, I think Twitter strategy might be something that's a little difficult to say anyway. Anyway, but, um, you know, th- th- is there an assumption that your cl- your competitors can't fi- figure out who your clients are anyway? Uh, but, you know, I, I get that. But on the defense of this client, if this becomes a really a real concern, the question becomes is if if your Twitter list is pretty much mainly your client, your current existing clients or customers, then uh, it sure does make it easy for a one-stop shop for research on how to figure out who your clients are. And again, that's where I would go back to number two, you know, build, build a follower, you know, build a following on Twitter that, that only a percentage of your clients are on there. All right. And then let's see here. Number four, it sounds like the client may be insecure it might be justified and it might not be. I don't know. Why do their current clients choose them over the other two competitors in the area? And uh, I, I think that fits in a lot with number one. You know, do you, are you offering something? Why, why are they with you now versus the other place? You know, it, it, I mean, it, and, and I guess maybe those people could say, you know, hey, if I come over there, will you offer me anything special? Uh, but the the concern here is is actually being approached when they may have not thought of it on their own. Certainly, you need to think about, you know, what of value am I adding, and and why am I, you know, why are these people here, and do I really need to be concerned that these people would be so easily enticed to go away, and wouldn't it negatively reflect upon the integrity of this other business to sit there and actually do something as low as poach on, you know, the following list? I don't know. Very interesting topic, I would say. Uh, but uh, let's see. He says, now I'm nowhere saying that I sh- uh, that they should or must use Twitter, uh, but some of the fears may be unjustified. And uh, I-, I thank you for that feedback, Jonathan, and I will certainly forward a uh, link to this particular episode of Podcast Answer Man to this particular client because I know he was waiting for some feedback. And if anybody else has any feedback on this, please feel free to give me a call. Area code 859-795-4067. Of course, if you have an iPhone, then the chances of you having the voice memo application are very high if you've got the latest version of your software. And you can simply hit the record button. And once you're finished recording, about a one or two minute audio feedback, uh, simply click the button to send and then choose email and then send that on to feedback at gspn.tv. All right, moving right along, uh, we have Wayne Henderson who called in about an episode of another podcast that I produced where I talked about rechargeable batteries a long time ago. And uh, this right here is what Wayne had to say. Hi, Cliff. This is Wayne Henderson in California. Just a quick call listening to My Crazy Life and talking about how you're going through a ton of AA batteries, and so you're trying out these rechargeable ones. Let us know how those work out for you, especially you know after a few weeks, if you remember to give us an update, because two years ago, and then I know that's older technology, but a few years ago I tried a couple different types of rechargeable AA's without much success. 
<laughs> so I'm hoping technology's advanced just like they have with cell phones and cell phone batteries and that they work out great for you. And of course, you know, the reason that I'm asking is because with my Zoom H4, uh, ever since uh, we had our consultation calls uh, last fall, I'm recording almost all of my podcasts directly into my Zoom H4 because of the uh, failure rate of recording <laughs> with software on the computer. Uh, the only ones I still record on the computer are the Skypecast, and I'm still working at getting those changed as well. So anyway, I too going through a ton of AA batteries and would love to hear the solution. Take care, Cliff. Now back to your fabulous podcast. And oh, by the way, Plus membership rocks. <laughs> Thank you so much, Wayne. I, uh, I'm glad to have you as a Plus member. And by the way, uh, for some of you who have been listening for a long time to the podcast Answer Man, you know, obviously there are three ways that I make a living um, as far as income is concerned. Uh, the one it's actually and it's broken in pretty evenly to to to, to thirds. And one third of my income comes in from consulting work, talking with people, training with the, training them one on one how to do podcasting. And uh, one third of my income comes in from audio equipment sales like this beautiful Heil PR40, which you're going to hear another audio, a uh, little bit of a feedback from a Heil PR40 in just a moment. And uh, the, uh, the final third of my income comes in from plus membership. I'm not sure. I don't I haven't mentioned this a long time in a long time on Podcast Answer Man. And I know that there are a lot of you podcasters and such that are are subscribed to Podcast Answer Man. And you're not aware of all the other shows that we produce uh, you know, here at gspn.tv. Uh, but, uh, I, and I haven't mentioned this in a long time, but we have plus membership, which is, a, it's $10 a month, which gain, gains you access to every show of every podcast that we produce at gspn.tv, which is 21 different podcasts and usually no less than twi- 12 to 15 episodes per week. Uh, and when the TV shows are back, there'll be probably just over 20 episodes per week of shows that we produce here. Now, now the thing is, is uh, plus membership is a way of helping to support the kind of content here. Now, I recognize that many of you guys are already well on your way. You're established in podcasting. So the chances of bringing you on as a client may be quite low. Uh, you know, who knows? You might find a way of uh, and, and come across something where you'd love to hire me. That might be possible, but there are some of you who are very seasoned podcasters, and and you 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 are you're trotting down the right path and everything, and uh, and and chances are you may be a podcaster that uh, has all the equipment that you're going to need for a very long time, and and who knows, you, in the foreseeable future, there may not be a need to to buy any equipment from me. Uh, and with that being said, if it's possible that you might be interested in saying, you know what, I still gain a lot of value. Uh, out of Podcast Answer Man. I really enjoy this show. Uh, there is one way that you can support what we're doing here, and uh, that is by becoming a Plus member. And uh, it is $10 a month. You head over to gspn.tv slash plus. And in fact, uh, just so you know, right now we have 296 Plus members. That's 296 Plus members. And we have a promotion going on that uh, plus member number 300, the 300th person who becomes a plus member will automatically receive an iTunes gift card for $30. And after that, from uh, that point forward until I decide not to do it anymore, which is, you know, I would replace it with some other promotion. But from this point forward for a very long time, we're going to give away one iTunes gift card for $30 for every five people that sign up. So how this will work is once five, you know, once the five people have signed up, one of those five people randomly will choose a number out of a hat, one through five or something like that, completely random. One of those five people will receive an iTunes gift card for $30. And so there is not only will you be supporting the content of Podcast Answer Man and what we're doing here with all the content and community that we create, uh, but there's also a one in five chance that you'll also get a $30 gift certificate to iTunes, which of course could be used for 30 different songs, uh, you know, maybe two albums. Uh, you could rent a couple movies in iTunes and uh, maybe you're an audiobook person. You could uh, buy two audiobooks off of there, a couple more if you get some of the less expensive ones. So anyway, that's what we've got going on for Plus Membership. So thanks for bringing that up. So now to your to answer your question, Wayne, uh, he's referring to the rechargeable batteries episode I did on a long, long time ago. 
and I will tell you, I love my rechargeable batteries. Now, you had mentioned that you'd tried some in the past and eh, not so much luck. Yeah, I, I know that there are a lot of different types of rechargeable batteries out there, but let me explain if anybody's out there. First of all, wait one second. Calm down, Cliff. Hey, Wayne Henderson, go to Radio Shack, my friend, and go and buy one of those um, universal power adapters. It's going to cost you maybe 20 bucks, and it has it, on the other end of it, it has all the different little connectors, and you can actually switch it to have the positive tip or the negative tip. I can guarantee you your Zoom H4, if it did not come with an AC adapter, you can get one of those and plug that in, and that's going to save you a ton of money, and that way you can be using it. But yeah, if you're if you're like me and you're recording a lot with your digital recorder not, you know, while it's not plugged into the adapter which, you know, I've got 400 uh 425 episodes of Pursuing a Balanced Life and almost all of them uh overall were recorded while I was outside walking. And so I go I was going through a ton of or a ton of uh double double A batteries. And I always bought the Duracells, which were probably about the most expensive because they lasted the longest. And what I found is that it was just costing me a ton of money. I mean, a lot of money. And so I started to research uh, batteries, rechargeable batteries. And what I found is that most electronics will, you know, they prefer, they always prefer the, um, the nickel metal hydride. It's N-I-M-I-H. N-I-M-I-H. And if you do that, um, those are the ones that if you go into like the Edderall settings and sometimes some of the other recorders, it'll actually say, you know, are you using alkaline batteries or are you using N-I-M-I-H batteries, nickel metal hydride. And so I would certainly suggest that you get those. And um, they're they're rated. In fact, let me. I've got one right here in front of me. I have one in front of me that is 2650 mAh. Now I didn't look this up ahead of time to find out what that is, but the higher that number, the longer the charge will hold in in the battery. So maybe there's 2000 uh, mAh and one is 2650. If you get the 2650s, those batteries are going to hold a charge longer. Uh, now, with that being said, I currently have uh, I have two sets of the Duracell Double A's uh, nickel metal hydride rechargeable batteries, and I have one set of Double um, A's and or no two sets of Double A's and one set of Triple A's of the Energizer um, nickel metal hydride rechargeable batteries. They both work equi- equally the same. Uh, I can tell you that if I'm on a full charge using my Edderall digital audio recorder and I go out and I I walk and record for a full nonstop hour of recording in my digital audio recorder, uh, it will pretty much take about three-fourths of the battery supply. Um, It'll take three-fourths of the battery supply uh, to maintain um, or to, to, to... to record that long. And so basically what I'd say is you're looking at about an hour and a half, hour 15 minutes worth of solid recording on one set of rechargeables. Now the thing is, is that you carry a couple of them with you and um, basically you would be able to, uh, to to go all day long if you would uh, switch them out. Now when it came to AA batteries, my alkaline batteries, I'd probably be able to record about two and a half hours. So it's not a whole lot less. And the thing is, these things can be recharged, uh, some of them thousands of times. Uh, and and they're pretty good. The one thing that I've learned is that if you charge them up and you take them off of the charger and you just set them out for a while, if they sit around for a week or two, they, they do slowly lose their charge. And so I've had that happen before where I've taken the batteries out and I've been sitting on the shelf for two weeks. I go to record and 20 minutes later, boom, it, it, it runs out of power. So I've learned to keep them on the charger and as soon as I pull a set off the charger, I immediately then cycle uh, the next four on there onto the charger. Now, when I bought my first set of rechargeable batteries, I bought a Duracell pack 
and it has this charger that literally takes about six to eight hours to fully charge um, either four double A's or two triple A's. Um, And that's a huge pain in the butt, except for the fact that I've got enough batteries that it's not a problem I can cycle through. But I did notice that at the store one day they had a... um, they had a energizer set and when you plug the one that plugs into the wall and it would charge, it says it would do a rapid charge of your nickel metal hydride batteries and it would only take about 15 minutes to charge. Now, if I had it all to do over again, I would definitely take the 15 minute charger over the eight hour charge. Now it's, I think it was about $12 more expensive than the one I got, but it's so worth it to me to be able to charge within 15 minutes especially in the event where I went on vacation once and I didn't bring every single battery with me and I just brought two sets and it would have been nice to be able to do that. So with that, that is basically my thoughts on the rechargeable batteries. Nickel Metal Hydride, N-I-M-I-H are the ones to go for. And I will tell you, I've been, gosh, I've been using rechargeable batteries probably, I don't know, how long ago was that, Wayne? maybe seven months, eight months. I would say it probably since I've used them, I've already saved about $250 in batteries. And that is not an exaggeration. In fact, um, I have enough. Now, these things are expensive, expensive as heck to buy once. You know, it's like 10 bucks for a pack of four or something like that. Uh, but it's not, I mean, for as long as they, you know, as many times as you can reuse them, it's great. And, you know, all the Wii remotes upstairs, all the Wii motes for the Wii, uh, they all have rechargeables in them now. Um, my daughter's digital camera takes double A's battery, double A batteries, and she cannot stop taking photos of everything that moves and most things that don't move. And so... Uh, she's she comes down probably about every other day and says, can I have some new, can I switch batteries? And so, yeah, it's definitely saved me a lot of money, Wayne, a lot of money, nickel metal hydride. And when you go there and you see all the different ones you can buy, um, you know, the, the M a H rating, the higher, the better, uh, for you. And, uh, the other thing is what was the one last thing I was going to say? Um, oh, and, and just know this, that you can buy some of them. They, they actually say that they come pre-charged. They're more expensive. I suggest get the 15 minute charger, uh, when you get this and forget paying the extra money for pre-charged, uh, because to be honest with you, they don't hold a charge very well. It's, it's always better to get a fresh charge on those things. So Wayne, I hope that helps you out. And of course, for those of you who are out there and many of my clients and and listeners, I'm sure you're using field recording all the time uh, or at least occasionally. And if you're sick and tired of running out of AA batteries and stuff like that, definitely look into the rechargeables and uh, stay with the nickel metal hydride. Just want to mention once again, real quickly, that we have the 100 point uh, podcast evaluation, and I've had a lot of people already starting to uh, express some interest in that, and uh, I am looking forward to getting those evaluations underway this week. And if you would like to learn more about that, you can always email me feedback at gspn.tv. And I will certainly uh, talk with you about that. And if you're looking for more details about what that is at the end of episode 221 or no, this is 121. At the end of episode 121, I talked all about the podcast evaluation. Uh, But basically, it's where I just take your podcast, your website, your your, everything related to your podcast and I review an entire full episode and and just break down and I I kind of grade your podcast on 100 different items and I'd love to discuss that more with you if you're interested. And uh, the final thing that I'm going to do and uh, yes, it's even more shameless self-promotion here from Cliff Ravenscraft, but let me tell you something. I, I wrote this as a blog post uh, over at pursuingabalancedlife.com, which is my personal blog and my personal podcast, and I, the po- the post is titled, Following My Passion Has Changed My Life, and uh, I, if you don't mind, I'm just going to read this to you real quickly here. 
I have to admit to you that there are times when I worried if leaving my career in insurance was a responsible decision for me and my family. I mean, I have absolutely no idea I was going to how I was going to earn a living at the time, and that was between September and December of 2007. I simply knew that podcasting came along, and over the course of a few months, any passion I had for my career as an insurance agent had completely dissipated. Dreams of podcasting full-time as my career became uh, seeds that eventually took root and then refused to stop growing in my heart. I remember reading books that said things like, pursue your passion and the money will follow. I heard other folks say things, talk about things called meaningful work. Uh, I remember just how hard it was to get over the idea that you had to hate what you're doing for it to be considered work that's worthy of paying you for. Um, The truth was that I was spending 40 to 60 hours, or the truth was spending 40 to 60 hours of my life each week devoted to nothing more than bringing home a paycheck was making me miserable. Listeners from the gspn.tv community had been urging me with thoughts that I could find some way of doing podcasting as a career, but I honestly had a hard time wrapping my mind around the even the possibility of that. However, one day my wife actually came to me and said this, and I quote, you need to quit your job and do podcasting full time. That was the day that changed my life forever. There was little doubt that podcasting as a career would allow me to focus on my core talents and abilities, not to mention fulfilling what I had come to understand as my core purposes in life. I've learned that if I I learned that if I passionately believe in something, I can probably sell it to just about anyone. You know, I love to sell. There's no doubt that I have the heart of a teacher. I love to find creative ways to teach things to people that they believe they'll never be able to learn and then to see the light bulb go off. That's that's something I love to do. In fact, my original major when I first started college was, um, you know, I wanted to go down the path and become a teacher. Uh, I was actually going to be a history teacher. However, in June of 1996, I also had something else happen in my, happen in my life, and I felt a serious call to Christian ministry. Uh, never as a, really as a full-time pastor position, but instead a lifelong ministry of encouraging and inspiring others. And what maybe some of you don't know is that uh, for a brief period of time in the Nazarene Church, I was an associate pastor for about a year and a half. And uh, I've always been a, a pastor, I had always been a pastor of small groups uh, from 1996 until I pretty much uh, left my career in insurance. Um, but basically, I had been a, a pastor of small groups. Leading, uh, I was a pastor to all the small group leaders in our churches. Uh, so anyway, uh, so I felt a serious call to ministry, not necessarily the pastor position, but instead a lifelong ministry of encouraging and inspiring others. And then there's this whole technology thing. I've always been had this weird ability to just do anything that I ever put my mind to, uh, learning how to, to program websites, learning how to do podcasting. I mean, I've never read a book on it. I've never taken a class. I just, I look at something. Sometimes I'll just do a Google search and say, you know, how do I do this? And it's like, oh, okay, I do that. And it's like, okay, let's do it. And I, I figure things out on the fly. And, it's, and sometimes I just believe that it's a gift and, and that God has granted me this amazing gift with technology and, and the, the way my mind thinks about it logically. So, you know, there's all these core competencies and all these things. There was no doubt in my mind that podcasting as a career would allow me to focus on these talents and these abilities. Now, um, let's see here. I want to share something with you that I'm actually kind of, you know, paraphrasing some of this and actually reading some of it word for word out of my blog. But it says here, I want to share something with you. Yesterday, I had a consulting call that has really honestly been like so many others. And, and I'm going to read to you, and I'm going to tell you, it typically goes like this. This is what, what I'm about to read to you is really, honestly, 75% of every client interaction that I have. And uh, I posted this, and, and it's posted on podcastanswerman.com and on my personal blog, and it's also in our forum under Podcast Answer Man. 
And uh, people said, you know, that's pretty much how I, you know, that, that's it, that sums up my experience with you completely. So here's how I work with about 75% of my clients. And this is how it goes. The client has either found me through a Google search, which by the way, go to google.com and search podcast consultant. All right. And uh, you'll see what pulls up there. All right, so the client has either found me through a Google search for a podcast consultant or they were referred to me by someone they know. Usually, the client has desperately has been desperately attempting to start a podcast for anywhere from a few weeks to as much as a few years with no luck in actually getting it off the ground. They've usually purchased at least one book devoted to how to podcast and have read countless number uh, numbers of online articles trying to explain concepts like RSS feeds, media file enclosures, audio mixers, mix minus setups, audio editing editing softwares, bit rates, etc., etc., etc. The outcome is usually usually the same: paralysis by analysis or information overload. More confused after the research than they were before they started, they desperately seek someone who can help them finally get things off the ground as a last-ditch effort to make it happen. When they find me, I spend a lot of time getting to know them, learning a little bit about them, what it is they want to accomplish, and finding out where their journey has taken them so far. I then... Talk to them about the fact that we can set up, design a strategy for getting their podcast from concept to reality or from wherever they currently are to reality. And when I share with them that they really could be releasing their first episodes within the next four to five days and sometimes within the next four to five hours, uh, they often are shocked and need to overcome quite a bit of unbelief. I, of course, encourage them, letting them know that I have confidence that I can train them how to podcast and to do it in a reasonably short amount of time. At times, I've said, listen, if I can't do this for you and if you can't completely do this on your own after X number of hours, which, by the way, just yesterday I told somebody I could do it in two, um, if I can't, and, and I judge the number of hours that I tell them based upon the getting to know them and finding out their journey and finding out what they know already, uh, and so yesterday I had somebody said, listen, if I can't, if I can't teach you this in two hours and you've got it on your own, I won't charge you a penny for what the, for what time I've spent with you. Uh, so anyway, uh, it's so, and here's the thing. It's, re, it's so rewarding when I'm able to help them make the, make the impossible seem possible, uh, to actually see them grasp the concepts that they thought they would be, that it would literally be impossible for them to grasp. There's a great deal of accomplishment that I feel when I work with each and every client that I deal with. I honestly feel that most of my consulting calls become little confirmations directly from God about the fact that I have indeed made the right decision to pursue my passion, a passion that I undoubtedly believe today that was put there by him. You know, I don't know if this post or this sharing the story will seem completely self-absorbed or not, and I often do sometimes probably come off as self-absorbed, But anyway, I just received this testimonial that I'm about to play for you from a client that I just worked with this week. And I can't tell you what it means for me to have the type of feedback. And this is the type of response that I get from a majority of my clients. Not all of them are able to articulate it as as so clearly as um, as Susan does here in this feedback. But I definitely want to play this for you. And just to give you a feel of why I love to do what I do for a living. And, you know, and, 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 and if anything, just listen to this. And, and, and I will just tell you what you're about to hear. I never got one of these kind of calls from a client that I ever sold insurance to. Sure, I had great relationships with my clients, but I never had this. And I get this all the time doing what I do for a living now. Hi, my name is Susan Bilheimer, and I just spent a two-hour session with Cliff Ravenscraft where I learned more in that two hours than I have learned about podcasting and audio software editing in two or three years. He is 
unbelievable. I have been trying to learn podcasting for all this time and have talked to many people, posed many questions, looked at courses, tried to figure out software. I couldn't get any of it done and I'm pretty tech savvy. So in one session with him, I have my equipment set up. He told me that was another thing. I had been looking online at all different kinds of equipment and there are so many opinions on hardware that it's just as hard to figure out as software. And when I went and listened to his podcasts and then talked to him, I called him up. He just got right on the phone with me, spent the time to figure out the hardware that I needed to fit within my budget. And within days, the hardware was there. And then in two hours, well, actually in about 15 minutes, the hardware was set up. He explained the controls. He explained concepts that I have not been able to grasp. And Within an hour and 15 minutes, I had completely learned how to do the proper recording, fades, doing the uh, anything I needed to do with, with manipulating the files, but we have the microphone set. I think it sounds pretty good. And he is he's so generous of his information and he's so talented as a teacher. It is a real art and, and a gift when somebody knows how to impart knowledge to people who are uh, trying to learn seemingly complex material. And he just made it completely simple. So in a few days, I'm going to be letting him help me set up my podcasting website. And I just couldn't be more excited. And shortly, I'm going to start my new show. And I'm also going to be recording an audiobook. I can't say enough about him. He is absolutely one of the finest, finest resources I have found on the internet since I've been doing anything on the internet, which has been since 1999. So if uh, anybody wants to ask me about Cliff, I will be happy to talk to you and you can leave a message for me at 888-241-1461 and I will be more than happy to be a, a personal reference for him. There you go. Man, Susan, thank you so much. And I want to let you guys know, I did not uh, solicit that. I did not ask for it. Uh, She overwhelmingly says, I am sending you a testimonial. Let me explain to you something that, that is just awesome about this. Before two hours before or two hours and 20 minutes before I received that as an email attachment in my inbox, Two hours and 20 minutes before, we had not yet spoken. Uh, I mean, we had only spoken and, and con- conversed to set up our appointment. But um, she had she had received the equipment that she purchased from me. By the way, yes, that is a Heil PR40 microphone that you hear her golden tubes coming through. Uh, the Heil PR40 is, a, is the most amazing microphone on the face of this planet. Um, but yes, uh, so basically she had all this equipment and she was really flipping out. She's like, oh my gosh, I, I got this mixer. It's got so many knobs. I can't, t- I, I mean, I'm afraid to plug it in. I don't, I don't, I just don't know where to begin. And, and there's just, are you, you, I don't know if I can hire you for, you know, 10 hours, you know, to, to help me to understand all this stuff and how are you going to possibly, it, there's no, it, it's not possible for me to understand all this in two hours. And you know, that was, that was the emails that were happening before we got on the phone. We got on the phone. And like I said, in 15 minutes, she knew what every button, my friends, let me tell you, Susan could teach you guys what every button on her mixer does. And, um, so I mean, in 15 minutes, that's all it took. And, and so she has it all set up and then we talked, we went through, she had, she had already purchased Adobe Audition 3.0. Like, I don't know if you caught it, but she's been working on this for a couple of years trying to podcast. And, um, she, she had purchased and she's like, there's no way I'm going to be able to figure out Adobe audition. It, it's, uh, I mean, like I got in, it's like, I have nowhere, I don't even know where to begin. And it, it literally took no time at all to sit down and show her all the different things that she needed to do in Adobe audition. She learned how to do fades and stuff like that. We got, we got off the phone. We only spent two hours, maybe two hours and 20 minutes. I gave her 20 minutes for free because I wanted to help her understand a couple other new and, and different things. But as soon as we got off the phone, she immediately went in and put to practice immediately everything I had taught her. She, she said she's got a, uh, she had a zoom H2 recorder, which by the way, I think she's going to end up getting a Edderall recorder. That's her decision. Definitely not anything that I've twisted her arm on. But anyway, um, she, uh, she basically 
turned her recorder on, she spoke into her microphone, recorded everything you just heard, then transferred the file over to her computer. She opened up Adobe Audition. She dragged it in. She actually went in and edited a little bit here and there. I was able to tell about two different edit points. The rest I couldn't tell. She did a really wonderful job. Um, and as far as the sound, and then she ran a she ran a hard limiting process on her audio. She did not even do the multi band processor because she prefers the sound that she gets out of the hard limiting. Which, by the way, I think it sounds great. In fact, everybody who's heard this testimony so far is like, "Wow, is that aw- that is awesome?" And so basically. Um, yeah, that, I mean, and she, she exported it as an MP3. She already, she understands the difference between 128 kilobits per second. And she, you know, she, she understands this stuff and she exported it and she knows how to tag her files up and, and stuff. And it's like just amazing. And I tell you, it, it, there's very little that gives me joy as to wake up every morning at five o'clock in the morning and know that I can't, I cannot wait to start my day to, you know, sure. I look in my inbox and as I've been sitting here recording so far this morning, I've got 22 emails in my inbox and you know what? I can't wait until I get to respond to those emails because those are going to be listeners that I'm going to build, continue to build relationships with. There are people who have, uh, you know, come to the website today and, and they're, they're looking to buy audio equipment. You know, there are people who are looking to, to, you know, say, Hey, do I need anything before my appointment tomorrow for our consulting? And, you know, the question was, is it possible for me to pursue my passion, to do what I love for a living? I'm going to be talking about that in uh, Pursuing a Balanced Life, episode number 425, which is a plus member only episode, except for those who are watching live will be able to catch it for free. And uh, Pursuing a Balanced Life, episode number 425 is going to be titled, Follow Your Passion and the Money Will Follow. And I'm going to be giving my share, my thoughts on that phrase uh, and also, also the... Um, uh, another personal story that would be a little funny to go into. But anyway, Susan Billheimer, thank you for that. If I if she had her website up, I would plug it right now, but we don't have it done yet. We're going to we're scheduled for some time tomorrow and we're going to get that all set. And when it's up and running, I will come back and I will tell you where you can find her wonderful podcast. And so uh, everybody, I just want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to the um, podcast answer man show. And if you get a chance on Thursdays sometime, why don't you come over and visit us live, join the chat room for just a few minutes and say hello. I would love to see you. And uh, of course, we're here Monday or actually Thursdays from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. If you're not able to join us live, please understand that you can call us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Monday through Friday, Saturday, Sunday, twice on Sunday if you want. The phone number is 859-795-4067. God bless you. Have a wonderful day and go find something you love to do for a living. Life's too short to do otherwise. Otherwise.